This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. I'm talking to Michaela Kerr, who has been teaching about agriculture and its many related subjects at Burn Knox Westerlo Secondary School since 2017. That year, she also founded a chapter of Future Farmers of America in the rural community. Now Care has been named Outstanding Agriculture Educator for the FFA Region 6. She's one of just six finalists across the United States. The winner will be named in December. I'm a constant learner. I'm always watching what others are doing, she says. Care also urges everyone support your local farmers. Why did you become a teacher of agriculture? My father's best friend was actually a high school agriculture teacher, and he challenged me to get involved with the ag program in my high school. He said, go to one FFA meeting, and if you don't have a good time, I won't bring it back up, because Honestly, I didn't think I was going to go into any type of farming. You know, I wanted to, you know, go into either marine biology or I really enjoy history. So I thought about being a history teacher. But uh, he said, just go to a meeting and see if you like it. And if you don't like it, I won't bring it back up again. But if you have a good time, then hopefully you start taking classes and getting involved. And um, took the classes, took all the classes I could in high school, got involved with the FFA in high school um, and decided that I wanted to teach this to other students. Wow, what a great story. So that first yeah. meeting, you did have fun. And yeah. what do you attribute that? What was the fun that came out of it? Just that's a great question. So just the camaraderie amongst the students um, and um, also the teacher was just very um, approachable and understanding and engaging. And just we had a good time. I mean, just we got involved. We went and did things, went on trips. Um, and the students that I got to be, um, close with through the FFA, um, became like family. Wow. That's just great. Well, one of the things I've noticed, because we've had a few stories and our readers might be familiar with some of the things you've done, um, is you're a woman, obviously, and I know one of your really outstanding students, uh, this was a couple years back, also a young woman. I don't know, I'm, I'm older and stuck in a very bad stereotype thinking of farmers as mostly men. So tell us a little about if you, did you run into any resistance or is this a, just a new era where a lot of your students are women and a lot of farmers, I'm assuming, are women now, too. Is that tell us a little about that? Absolutely. So it's, it's I've always been interested, I would say, in male dominated fields, if you would. I did start off in um, pursuing an ag education degree. And then decided, you know, I really like the plant science aspect of it. So I went to Cobalt Skill for landscape design and development, very much a male dom- dominated field. That having been said, there's a lot of opportunities for women, um, and especially if you go and seek them out. Um, I never felt like I was at a disadvantage of anything. I was at a, an advantage because they were excited to have us be involved. Um, and then after getting my associates in landscape design development, I was like, you know, I still want to teach. 
So that's when I decided to go back into education. As far as um, throughout the years, you know, I don't, I, it's becoming more and more acceptable. I think that there's a real trend for women farmers. There's a lot of really good resources out there. There's a lot of entrepreneurs that are really promoting what they're doing. Um, there's a lady, Five Marys, uh, out in California, and she's all about women in agribusiness and uh, enterprise. And so she's really been a motivator, I think, behind me in promoting what we're doing and I think our, we have a lot of females that are involved. We've got quite a few met, uh, boys that are getting involved now more so. Um, the first few years, I felt like there was a lot of girls um, and that were just kind of attracted more to the classes. But I'm finding now that it's kind of leveling out, um, if you would. Um, but I, don't, I think that there's a real trend for women to start taking the non-traditional roles that have been done in the past by men. So. Well, good for you. And I bet you're yeah. a real role model for those students. It's probably why so many girls were attracted to the program. So tell us a little about exactly you've been at BKW since 2017. Is that right? Absolutely. And um, in, in that very short time, you've done so much. Just tell us about some of the things that you teach you know, the classroom aspects, as well as some of the extracurricular aspects. Okay. Uh, so the classes that we offer, um, they rotate. Some classes are offered every other year so that we can offer more of a diversity of classes. Um, we teach uh, wildlife and natural resources, animal science, small animal care, uh, floral design, landscaping, agribusiness, food systems, which is another agribusiness class, um, equine science, which is horses. Um, and also this year we have a new ag explorations class, which is open to middle school students and it's a variety of ag classes. And we also offer um, in our department uh, introduction to agriculture one and then an introduction to agriculture two. Wow. So there's a variety of, <laughs> it's a wide variety of classes, a lot of material. Uh, I am just stunned that there's such a wide variety of so I thought you'd have one or two. So I'm going to back up to ask a little more about these. But first, you can't be teaching all these yourself, right? Who, who else is part of this program? Great question. Um, so I teach the majority of those classes. Like I said, we do have to rotate them. Some of them are semester long, which means half a year. Some of them are year long classes. The two classes that I do not teach currently are the Ag 1 and Ag 2, Intro to Ag. That is Neil McConnelly, who's our science department chair and physics teacher. Um, and he actually brings a lot to the program because he is actually, um, his other business that he has is he's the cattle farmer. Hmm. Um, and his family raises cattle and he really is engaged and loves agriculture and is very passionate about it. So it's kind of fun to be able to work together on, on projects. Um, the other thing that's really been happening a lot here at school, which we're super excited about, is there's a lot of um, like cross-curricular opportunities. So I work with um, a lot of other teachers to develop projects that kids can work on. So, for instance, Josh Baker, who is our uh, technology teacher at the high school, he has um, done things with his classes like build bridges for our U-High trail. He's also helped to, he built a really awesome, uh, garage, like a, not a garage, but a shed. And half of the shed is a chicken coop. So we have chickens on campus. Um, so he works with another teacher named Mark Jackson, and they teach uh, uh, applications of math and construction class. And they take these projects that I provided with them, and I get funds through grant, grants that I've written. 
and they take the materials and then they build things using that class. So there's a lot of the cool thing is, is that agriculture is everywhere and there are applications that can be tied into every curriculum. And actually, I have to say that's been one thing that this school has been extremely supportive um, behind and really pushing incorporating agriculture concepts uh, pre-K-12. So we work on doing a lot of ag in the classroom with the uh, elementary classes um, and working with those teachers and students and um, the teachers, you know, they, they are excited to incorporate some of these concepts into their classrooms. And also, um, you know, at the high school level, you know, I've worked with other teachers um, that have either had an interest in specific ag concepts or um, I've had, you know, I've had a math teacher come in and help me um, explain like in, in uh, an animal science class. And, you know, it's good for the kids to see the teachers working together um, related to different topics. But you know what? It all ties back to the common common thing that, you know, ag is everywhere and it's applicable in every every type of curriculum. I just love this concept that agriculture is everywhere because as someone who has lived in suburban and urban areas, of course, I eat food, but I don't think about agriculture. And having covered burn for many decades, I've always been impressed with, you know, farms are right there. And I don't think it was until Timothy Mundell came along that, um, you know, he kind of did this listening tour when he arrived as superintendent and thought, we have this right in our midst and there's no program in the school. So how wonderful that you and all these other teachers have jumped in. And I'd just like to back up because um, you've just my mind is bursting with questions. You've raised so many things. If you could just go back to the classes and this wide variety and just talk about, because all these kids aren't going to become farmers, you know, they're just learning things that are useful in all different ways and parts of their lives. If you could just talk about a little on some of these wide varieties, wildlife and floral and landscape and small animals, just like who are your students and how do they use these skills that they're that they're learning from you? Oh, that's great. Um, I actually so my students are grades nine through 12, mm -hmm. particularly uh, they're male and female. They're athletes, they're students and they're um, not not athletes, but, you know, maybe they're involved in other clubs or maybe they're not. So it's everybody. Um, I have a, there's not a cookie cutter student that takes my classes. And I love that. I get, I get a variety of students. Um, the, the skills that they're learning, I think the biggest thing is I try to teach them how this stuff is going to apply to their lives. So for instance, we have a big population that like to fish and hunt. Um, and they need to be aware of habitat and how to maintain a healthy environment for these animals that they're hunting and how do you do it properly and landscaping. Hopefully they own all own property when they get older. And how do you maintain it and take care and make sure that you're not planting like things like invasive species. Um, and for animals, you know, they are probably going to be pet owners. What are some of your responsibilities as a pet owner? But I think more importantly, the classes that I teach, I try really hard because it's what we call career and technical education, CTE. I try to show them the opportunities that are in each field and all of the jobs that can be connected to it. So a lot of times the students think about like animal science. Oh, I want to be a veteran. 
I always get those kids that want to be vets and love animals. But what about the people that are the computer scientists behind developing the feed ratios that are needed to feed those animals and the, you know, the research scientists that are looking into diseases that may be affecting these animals and, and, you know, how do they manage those diseases? So there's a lot of other opportunities. I really, um, try to get guest speakers in as many times as I possibly can. I try to take these students out of the classroom because I think there's so much to be learned by going to different places and seeing new opportunities and things. Um, but the big, I think that my biggest job is just showing people that there's an opportunity for everybody in this, in this industry. And we rely on it without agriculture. We are, you know, we're, what do they say? You're naked and hungry. And that's true. <laughs> Important. Important. I hadn't heard that. Without agriculture, you're naked and hungry. Wow. Uh, that's, yeah. that's quite a slogan. So uh, just another really wonderful thing you've mentioned in here, I'd like to dive in a little, is how you work with other faculty and some of these things you just mentioned in passing. Tell us what the UHI Trail is about this bridge that was built and um, how the kids were involved in that. Awesome. So uh, I, what was it? The second year I was here, we were approached by the Albany Soil and Water Conservation District. And they had said, we have a bunch of grants that we can apply for different projects on school properties. And so I was working with Susan Lewis through the Albany Soil and Water Conservation District. And we actually uh, implemented a high tunnel on campus. Well, the following year, we were like, well, what else can we do with this, these funds? And we have this trail on campus, but part of it was inaccessible because of, there was the water that was going through um, the property. So they had, I, I believe years ago, there were some bridges that were out there, but they were, um, and we wanted to, you know, and some of them, the bridges weren't even there anymore. Um, and it, part of the trail was not inaccessible or was inaccessible. So long story short, we applied for the grant funds and worked with John class to, first of all, in my wildlife class, to determine where did they need to put things in to make the trail more accessible. And then, um, you know, the students did all of the, the measurement and determining what type of bridges we should implement. Um, and that was all through Josh's class. But to this date, so last year, my wildlife and natural resources class developed the signage along the trail. So each student took a species, whether it was a plant species or an animal species or, you know, even things like invasive species. And we educated people with, I believe it's 16 different signs along the trail. And each sign is an 11 by 18 sign with a colored picture of what we're looking at and gives a little bit of background and some facts about this. So for instance, one of them talks about uh, the, the swamp oak that is down there. Um, there's some invasive species that we want to bring to light that they're, you know, like, hey, keep an eye out for this. And if you see it, you should report it. Um, we give some history about the trail. Um, the trail has been here, I think, in, uh, I think it was developed in the uh, 1980s. Um, and, you know, don't quote me on that, but it, it's been around for a long time. It was a part of it, you know, the, the school got it up and running. It was used for many years by the classes. And then for many years, it went highly unused because it wasn't really accessible. So now it's open again. There's, you know, we bring our classes out all the time. All, you know, all the grade levels are encouraged to utilize it. Um, and, uh it's been a really good educational resource on our campus. We're really proud of it. Um, and yeah, so 
that's that's awesome. Yeah, that really is wonderful. So you had mentioned this is a K or pre-K through 12 um, I, theme or project. Tell us, like, what at the the youngest level, how how is agriculture introduced in the classroom? It's you're in kindergarten or first grade. What what kind of what kind of learning goes on there at the youngest ages? Awesome. So the, the big thing that we do is uh, we do an annual Ag Day at the beginning of June, and that is for um, grades pre-K to six. And all of my classes um, and the FFA students and the members of the FFA get together and we plan out all these different stations. So there's usually about 10 different stations and we take our kids through these stations and they may be cattle. We may bring horses onto campus, chickens. Um, We have, you know, sometimes we'll have the Albany County Soil and Water District will bring their had that in the past, you no know, erosion. Um, we have tractors or equipment there, a wildlife station. Last year, we took the kids on a tractor ride um, using a wagon that was uh, loaned to us from uh, Altamont Fair, which was really cool. The kids went on the nature trail. So we do all these different stations to expose our students to a wide variety of agriculture. Um, additionally, we do um, an ag literacy project that usually happens with uh, the second grade and our FFA members go in and they read a book that is put out by the New York uh, Agriculture in the Classroom. We read a, a book that they choose and then we give a lesson plan and teach the kids about whatever the topic was. So in the past, it's been about apples or farmers markets. Um, I've had uh, guest speakers come in and read, like a guest author will come in and read a book and do uh, an interactive thing with the kindergartners a few years back. Um, this year, we're really trying hard to um, offer more opportunities with the, the, el- the elementary teachers and students and want to do what we call Ag Buddies, where my classes will partner up with an elementary teacher and we will present a lesson. So last year we did this and we did a, a thing related to um, dairy and we did a lesson plan where the kids could actually make their own ice cream, which was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. Around maple season, I've had guest speakers come in and talk to the fifth grade about how is maple produced. And then the fifth graders have like a little maple breakfast and have uh, uh, pancakes with real maple syrup. Um, you know, so there's so many opportunities. The, the awesome thing, and truly we are blessed here, um, our teachers are very supportive. Our community is very supportive. And, the, you know, the teachers love having the FFA members and the other ag students work with their younger kids to educate them about these topics. Well, before we dive into more about FFA, I just wanted to touch on two things you mentioned in passing. One is a high tunnel, which I don't know (laughs) much about. And the other is part of a shed became a chicken coop. Do you have chickens on campus? Do you? We do. We do. So my animal science uh, class every year, we incubate. Uh, eggs, uh, predominantly chicken eggs. We have hatched out quail before, and we've done a turkey, and we've done a pea chick, um, and ducklings, um, but predominantly chickens. Um, and this year, we finally were able to uh, keep some of the chicks that we hatched out. We have um, eight laying hens um, on campus, and they just this past week started laying their eggs. So this is super exciting. Um, but it's so cool for the kids to see from the chicks to full-size chickens that are now laying eggs. Um, the students and I uh, care for these chickens, 
and make sure that they're obviously fed and watered. And um, yeah, they they have a nice a nice chicken coop on campus. And who eats the eggs? Um, we donate them back to this food service program. Now, eight eggs is not going to get you pretty far. <laughs> far as the but how neat to eat eggs that you grew the chickens. That's great. And what about the high tunnel? Yeah. What What's that? So a high tunnel is essentially, it's a hoop greenhouse. Um, so that's hoops with uh, poly over top of it. Um, it's This high tunnel is not heated. Um, but um, it, you can extend the growing season essentially for your crops. That's why you would grow in a high tunnel. So, um, you know, up here in, you know, upstate New York, our growing season is pretty, it's not limited compared to other places, but it is pretty limited. Um, and so we wanted to try to extend the growing season, um, give the ch- kids a chance to kind of grow some crops and some raised bed within the high tunnels. Um, and we've done things, we've grown quite a few tomatoes, peppers own lots of uh, mint, um, sunflowers grew in there. We've grown um, some some squash, um, dill. There's a wide variety of crops that are growing in there and doing radishes, uh, carrots um, that have done very well. Um, and we, you know, what basically I've done is I've numbered all of the raised beds and each, I put it out there every spring, which class wants to adopt a bed or two. And the response has been great and all grade levels have access to this and teachers can incorporate, you know, growing plants into their curriculum and they have these beds they adopt and grow in until the end of the school season. And then over the summer, uh, we have, you know, people on campus that are able to water and maintain um, the, the crops. So, Oh, that's it's great. Really- Well, in the time we have left, I want to dive into Future Farmers of America and just tell us, were you able to recreate that feeling that you got that very first FFA meeting you went to, this sense of camaraderie and people really having fun? Tell us a little about your group. Awesome. I certainly hope I have. Um, I have to say that there's the co-advisor. Her name is Sarah McArdle. Um, She's a third grade teacher here at BKW. Um, so she's in charge of what we call the junior FFA, and the junior FFA is for students grades six to eight. So it's our middle school learners, and then I am in charge of the senior FFA, which is grades nine through twelve. That having been said, I always say that we both advise both groups. Um, the students we have an awesome group of students that are engaged. They want to come. For instance, um, we are taking a group of students up to Camp Oswegatchie, and Camp Oswegatchie is the New York State FFA camp up in Krogan, New York, which is in the Adirondacks. We're taking a large group, um, so 30 students next month, to do things like high ropes and low ropes training um, and leadership development and outdoor education. Um, and we we opened the trip up, and within two days, it was completely, it was booked. We, can, we were at capacity. Um, and so that's a great problem to have. Um, the students want to be engaged. We have um, opportunities for students to compete in what we call career development events, CDEs, and they can learn skills that relate to all those different ag classes and compete in contests. We also, also have leadership development class. Uh, excuse me, leadership development experiences or LDEs. And those are your public speaking, your parliamentary procedure, um, your um, 
people in agriculture, which is, you know, the younger kids talk about uh, careers that are in agriculture and why you should be involved with them. Um, and we've had very good success um, with our competitions. Our students usually move on to at least the next level. Um, we start off at districts. There's 12 FFA districts in New York State. Um, and then there's the Eastern Region Substate. And there's three regions in New York State. We're in the Eastern. And then finally, if you win at Eastern Region, you get to move on to the state level competition. And that happens at state convention in May. So we've had um, we've had a lot of good success. Our kids are excited. They're engaged. We do community service type of stuff um, to be engaged with our community. It's just it's just been super positive. I have to say that we have a lot of support um, from families in the community. Our board of education has been wonderfully supportive. Our students are um, you know excited. Our faculty and staff, our administrators, the support that we have here is you know, second to none. And that, that allows us to be able to do all these different things. Um, but our kids have a lot of opportunities that they would not normally have through this organization. And I think it's extremely important to expose as many students as possible to it. I know uh, a couple of years back, they made a presentation at the school board. They had what they called a once in a lifetime opportunity. The FFA students, they traveled. I It was quite where was it, Indiana you went to? And they heard the president speak and they were on this kind of national scale absorbing from people around the country. So was that something that you're going to replicate in the future or was that just a one-time trip or how did that work? No, actually, that's the, that's the national convention trip. And okay. so just to give you an idea of the scale of FFA, um, it's the largest student leadership organization in the world. There's 730,000 students throughout the United States, Puerto Rico, and the Virgin Islands. In New York State, we have approximately um, almost 9,000 FFA members. And so when we went to national convention, 60,000 FFA members from all across the United States, states go to Indianapolis, Indiana for competitions, for workshops, for leadership development. And uh, we go on a yearly basis. I will say last year and this year, due to COVID reasons, we are not attending it. Um, last year, it was all virtual. This year, they are doing a hybrid. There is partially um, in-person um, and also virtual. We've, we've decided that we are going to do virtual um, for our students this year. The hope is next year we're going back out there. We take a group every year. Um, it's an incredible experience. We do a bus trip out there with, um, it's actually through the Schoharie Valley FFA Alumni Association. And they take two large buses and there's approximately about 10 to 12 different chapters from across New York State that go out on those buses. And we stop and do all sorts of really cool tours um, uh, related to agriculture. So we've done things like the Louisville Slugger Bat Museum. We've gone to Caterpillar. We've done uh, New Holland. We've gone to the New Holland Farm Equipment Factory. Um, all different sorts of uh, types, types of educational opportunities to educate these kids and expose them to different things that they wouldn't normally be exposed to. Gosh, that's wonderful. Uh, and before we run completely out of time, I just want to talk more about you <laughs> and this honor that you've gotten. Um, what happens next? I mean, here you are, the outstanding ag educator for this region. There's a national level. When does that get decided? How does that work? Yes, um, that happens, I believe, at the beginning of December, um, New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, yeah, I, you know, it's it's a huge honor. Um, 
I got to say, though, that there are so many people that are just rocking this ag ed thing and doing amazing things. And I learn from them every day. I, you know, the gentleman who was my student uh, teaching supervising teacher had said, use the case, uh, the case method, copy and steal. There's so many opportunities out there that people are doing. You don't need to recreate the wheel. And so nothing that we have done here hasn't been done elsewhere. And that's kind of the cool thing. I learn. I'm a constant learner. I'm always watching what other people are doing. Um, and so then, you know, all of the things that we've done and accomplished in this short amount of time, you know, it's a team effort. So I, I'm excited. I'm humbled. But honestly, there are so many people that are just doing wonderful things that I learn from every day. And I am so grateful for this opportunity. So. Well, congratulations. Talking to you is just inspirational. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners? Anything you'd like to leave them with? Oh, I just want to say, you know, hey, thank you for your time. But also, if you ever think of uh, people that would be good guest speakers that relate to any facet of agriculture, food, natural resources, you know, please reach out to us. Um, there are so many opportunities locally that we don't even know about. Um, and we're always looking for new and exciting ways to incorporate that. And, you know, keep it, keep, you know, support your local farmers. They're, they're the bread and butter of our region. And that's super important. Um, and then finally, I just want to say that this, this is possible because it's a team effort. It's been through the board of education, the administration, the other faculty, the community members, the parents, the students. Um, this is a group effort and it's been awesome. And I am so excited for what's in store we are talking about great things. Um, there's lots of opportunities coming up and uh, thank you.